This podcast is sponsored by Beer 52. Sydney, how excited are you that La Liga is back up and running? Well, as you know, I am incredibly excited, Phil. This weekend, I went to three games. Next weekend, I'm going to travel in the Podmobile. I think I might go to Cadiz. I'd expect nothing less from you, Sydney. If you, the listener, are enjoying La Liga and fancy kicking back to watch a game with a cerveza in hand, we've got some good news for you. Beer 52 are offering free and exclusive beers from Spain and beyond. What better way to celebrate the start of the new season than with a free case of delicious craft beers? And as an exclusive Spanish football podcast offer, they're throwing in two extra beers completely free. That's, now you know I'm not good at maths, but that's 10 free beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash Spain and cover the £5.95 postage to receive your free case of 10 beers right now. Please note this offer is only available to listeners in the UK. Beer 52 offer the ultimate immersive beer drinking experience. This month, their experts have collaborated with some of the best independent breweries across Galicia in Spain and the Celtic nations to release new and exclusive beers. You know I'm a fan of the pale ale, Phil, and I can't wait to try one from the Jacobsland Brewery in Santiago de Compostela. I'm looking forward to trying the Deep Brown Porter from the Galician Brewery. But for those who aren't into dark beer, don't worry. You can simply choose the light case. And no matter what you choose, you get a couple of tasty snacks to enjoy as well. And even if after all of that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel any time you want. So if you want to get your hands on 10 free beers, go to www.beer52.com forward slash Spain. That's beer 52 dot com forward slash Spain and claim your free case now. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Spanish football podcast. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm well. You are rushing to put some socks on and jump in the podmobile and drive up to Vitoria to watch Alaves play Sevilla tonight. Yeah, which I think will be quite good fun. And I'm also listening, listening, looking forward to listening to Mendelebar, just because, you know, it's Mendelebar. Yeah, it feels very much on brand and the season is back and you are rushing up to drive four hours on a Monday night to watch Alaves against Sevilla. We're back. It's, it's, it's like nothing's ever changed. So that's good. Um, it's been uh, great to see so many of you joining us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for the new season. If you haven't already done so, why not check it out? Our patrons will get a Q&A pod and a bonus pod this week. Plus you get Al's paper reviews, access to the TSFP Discord and lots more uh, from around four or five euros a month, uh, depending on where you are. But yeah, hopefully it's good value and you can come and join us. Uh, Sydney, you're in a rush because you've got to drive up to the Basque country. But we do, my friend, have lots to talk about. We'll talk about match day two in La Liga in just a moment because you were at two games this weekend also in the Basque country so you go back up there uh, again but first we've got to start off with Spain being world champions they beat England 1-0 in the uh, final of the Women's World Cup on Sunday here it was at midday uh, I sat down watched the whole game and I have to say Sid I thoroughly enjoyed it as a spectacle I thought it was a brilliant game of football really open really exciting really high level as well and Spain deserved it yeah, definitely they deserved it. Um, you can be smug here, by the way, because you've been saying for a while Spain are going to win the World Cup. Literally, I mean, literally right from the start, I think you said they're going to. So just feel free to be smug. OK, I will, I will be smug. Um, I, I, the reason I said that, and I think this was borne out by the final, is that I said to you lots of times that 
I just didn't think there was anyone in the tournament as good as them. I thought it really was, in, in a way, as simple as that in, in analytical terms. They're just the best team there. That said, before the final, um, I pointed out that I didn't know for sure how, well, how you, can, you, can ever, you can't ever know anything for sure, but I, I kind of had doubts about whether they would take sufficiently large numbers of the chances that they made, whether they would make enough to be overcome the fact to overcome the fact that they don't always take all of their chances, and whether England's physicality, and England are a much, much bigger team than Spain uh, physically, would, would end up selling. I'm not just England's physicality, obviously they're a very good team in their own right, but but the, that would kind of bridge, if you like, the, the kind of technical gap, because I think technically Spain are a much better team. Uh, and in the end, it was only 1-0, and England did hit the crossbar all bit. Spain also missed a penalty, and England's start, I thought, was pretty good. But once Spain started to get control of the ball, I, I think we were just watching a better football team um, mm. with, with a better um, number of technically talented players. And, and I think they, they thoroughly deserved it. Now, obviously, there is the big kind of sticking point in all of this, which is what happened to them against Japan. And, and I thought that was a brilliantly, brilliantly executed kind of uh, performance of, of, I suppose, to use the old cliche, we, we refer to it, I suppose, as a smash and grab, wouldn't we? But just a brilliantly, mm. brilliantly planned and executed counter-attacking performance from, from Japan. But I think Spain were the best side in the tournament and deservedly won it. They did. And they deservedly won the final, as we said, with a, a really, really good performance. The match winner was Olga Carmona, and it was a really, really well-taken goal, well-crafted goal, and a beautiful finish from Olga Carmona. And then there was this just extraordinarily heartbreaking news that her father had passed away, and she only found out after the game. Um, just very, I mean, very difficult to know what to say yeah. and how to how to sort of deal with this uh, this this news. But she has been on social media today uh, thanking everyone for the um, support and there has been an outpouring of support mm. from her across Spain and, and, and the world and she's confirmed that she's she's going to be at the celebrations tonight celebrations taking place at Madrid Rio just down the road from my house I should be able to hear them long into the night I think and, and she said she's going to be there because she wants to she wants to be there and she says her father would, would want her to um, uh, to be there but just an extraordinarily sort of sad and cruel twist uh, after after the game yeah I mean as you say it's impossible to even begin really to to kind of comprehend it or to 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 know what to think or to get your head around the the way that it happened um and and I think as well you know the if you look back at the things that she did and said during the game and after the game with the knowledge that comes subsequently that her father had passed away, there's kind of an extra layer of poignancy to, to everything. You know, this is a player who in a World Cup final scores the goal that wins it for Spain, the first time they've ever won the World Cup, you know, the most significant goal in, in, in their history, um, and chooses to dedicate it to the mother of one of her friends who's just passed away at a time when she doesn't know that her own father has passed away. If you see what I mean. So there's this mm -hmm. kind of, there's this... this, there's this um, affection this uh, willingness to share this this desire to to kind of embrace her friend in in a difficult time when she doesn't know that she's in that same position and you you hear that and you hear her comments after the game for example when she says you know everything i do is for my family and admittedly she's talked much more about her mother than her father and about the connection with with her mum and so on but but you know you sort of listen to her say that and and again it it, it kind of grabs you and you think you know you're saying this and you you don't know and it's it's just absolutely heartbreaking and 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 it's heartbreaking as well i mean i was looking at it this morning watching some footage of her climbing into the crowd 
and jumping up and down with her, with her brother and her mum. And they're embracing and they're celebrating. They're jumping up and down. And, and, you know, I, I almost don't want to dwell on it, but at the same time, I kind of do feel like I want to dwell on it because I think it, it, it reinforces that thing we talk about a lot, that football is so much more than just the game and, and obviously um, everything that goes with it uh, in, at all levels of football, but in particular with the Spain team, in particular with, with, with the way that women's football becomes, if you like, a kind of a fight for equality as well as a sport in itself. Um, mm. And then the, the kind of the personal stories behind it. But watching that footage, and I couldn't help but watch it and think, my God, what must be going through the minds of her mum and her son at that point who are embracing her, are celebrating with her, who are trying to give her this moment, you know, trying to give her this happiness, knowing that at some point in this evening they're going to have to tell her this worst possible news. They've taken the decision to not take this moment from her, not take this moment from Spain, if you sort of mean, to allow her to go enjoy it, to even allow her to enjoy some of the celebrations before they tell her, because they could have told her at that point. They, she then goes into a press conference and talks about it. There's even a line in the press conference where she says something along the lines of, my mum was so excited, I'm going to have to give her a herbal tea to calm her down. You know, this mm. idea that everyone's so excited. And, and, and it just, it's, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. But at the same time, it... it there's something I, I, I don't know if I'm overplaying this and, and, and I, I don't even know if it's really my place to say it, but there's something I, I thought really kind of warm and, and admirable and sort of, I don't know what to call it, affectionate, I suppose, mm. in, in the decision that says, you know what, let's not tell her. Let's not deny her this moment. And yet, of course, the thing is, how do you deal with this that night and in a month's time and in a year's time and even in 30 years' time that the moment you won the World Cup will always in your mind be associated with that. And yet I suppose at the same time, maybe your father will always be associated with that as well. So I don't know if mm. that brings, I, I just don't know what it brings. And it's impossible for me to, 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 to kind of express it on their behalf. But it, it was really, it, really quite extraordinary to, to sort of think about and think about the, the moments and what they must have been going through their mind and how difficult that decision must have been. And, 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 and you know, football is multi-layered in terms of its meaning and its feeling anyway. And very, very profound, I think, and for different players at different levels and so on. And then for this to kind of provide, uh, provide's not even the right word, it's a horrendous word to have used. Uh, well, no, I suppose to provide to, or to, to have added, if you like, an extra dimension to it like this is, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hmm. just, I mean, it's just horrendous. And yet I suppose at the same time, maybe if you're, depends what your mindset is, depends what her mindset is, maybe she can see this almost as, as a kind of an act of fate. And, and her, certainly her message was, you know, I know that you gave me the strength and, and, you know, whether that's because she wants to say that and wants to cling on to that thought, but the idea that your father passed away just before and you didn't know, but then you scored, does that make it crueler? Does it make it better? I honestly don't know, but it, it's, yeah, it's just, extra. I suppose it's life. And, and she talked post-game yeah. about this is life. This is, and there's, there's this lovely comment where she says post-game, she says, this was a dream, but I mean, literally a dream. So when you go to bed at night and you dream about the things that could happen to you in life, you dream about this. You know, this is the thing that you think this could be the thing that happens in my life. And, and, and you know, at the, at the risk of going cliched or, or morbid or, um, or, I don't know, or, or glib about it, I suppose this is, you know, it's kind of a, a, an embodiment of, 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 of life, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's both horrendous and, 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 and extraordinary. And, yeah, there, there, there aren't really the words for it, are there? She will be, as we said, at the celebrations tonight and uh, they deserve this. Enhorabuena campeona, Swede. 
like to sort of be focusing more on the on the players and and not the men involved in this, but we do kind of have to talk about the men involved as well. Uh, not least, yeah, the I, I... Uh, Spanish Football Federation president Luis Rubiales, who has got a lot of criticism for appearing to forcibly kiss uh, Spanish striker Jenny Hermosa on the lips during the yeah. post-match celebrations. He dismissed critics as idiots, amongst other things. Mm. And she has said it was a spontaneous gesture, although she also seemed to say in an Instagram live that no me ha gustado. I, I didn't particularly like it. It's, um, yeah, we, like I said, it's a shame that we're talking about this, but this has caused quite a stir in Spain and people seem to be divided uh, on this. There are people that are backing Luis Rubiales and his suggestions that it was merely a spontaneous gesture, it was nothing uh, between two friends and others, I would say maybe the majority who look at what happened look at the dynamic between a man, mm -hmm. the boss and a woman. That's it that's it isn't it, not just a man, the boss the boss yeah. and think you know what this isn't okay and it really doesn't look okay I think taken in that context. No and, and, and I would agree with that, it, it, it isn't okay it doesn't look okay I don't want to speak for the feelings and intentions of Rubiales or Jenny Hermoso. Um, I can't speak necessarily to the, the nature of their relationship. Um, and I think that in the celebrations, there is a moment when you can, you know, embrace someone, when you can even kiss someone. But this is, he, he kind of appears to be holding on for quite a long time. And he kisses her on the lips. He doesn't kiss her on the head or something like that. You know, it's it. He's got it, both hands yeah, around yeah, her yeah. head. I mean, it's just yeah. I I I I sort of don't even know what to say to. It. I I think it's pretty extraordinary. And and obviously, look, the other thing about this is in the context of everything that's happened over the last year, in the context of 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 the awareness of the symbolism of a success like this for Spain for mm. any women's national team but in particular for for Spain after everything that's happened over these last 12 months um I mean yeah I, it, it's just really 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 bad and then as you say his response and you know if if he again I can't kind of put myself in his position I I, I can't know the nature of his relationship with Jenny Amosa but even if the relationship's brilliant I just don't think that's the adequate thing to do hmm. I, I, I just don't um and it seems quite extraordinary. He's still there, to be honest. And he'll write this out. He said it'll, it'll stay as, uh, you know, it'll fade into nothing. And this is nothing really. It's just a little anecdote. Yeah. Um, but he has I, been. I think uh, it might not be by controversy. Let's I see. think it might not be. Um, I think I think enough has happened previously, for it not necessarily to mean that that, you know, that this doesn't matter as much as those other things. But for it to be cumulative, if you sort of mean, um, and for this to be seen as okay, right. There has to be a point. At which... I mean, what he did, what he did was pretty, um, you know, was deeply objectionable. I found his justification and speaking on the that, radio yes, about absolutely. it last night, it was so aggressively obnoxious and dismissive. Yeah, and the language that he was using as well. I don't know if he'd had a few beers. I don't. I don't know, but he seemed. Um, like a genuinely aggressive using you know words like you know dickheads and just mm. the whole thing just seemed really just in, in improper of someone who's got one of the most important jobs yes in, in Spanish no, no, football. It just, absolutely just i mean there was there was is this, is this it is this the image is this it well that was the thing wasn't it because the 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 
the interview where, where he did that was with um, Cadena Copa Radio, Castaño. Yeah. with Juanma Castaño. And he, he starts by saying, come on, let's not talk about this. This is just people are just being dickheads. They're looking for trouble. This is a spontaneous moment with someone I get on very well with in a celebration. And up to that point, I still didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. But up to that point, I'm thinking, ah, oh, all right, ish. Uh. And then you get the bit where he says, where they basically, they sort of say to each other, well, yeah, okay, it doesn't really matter. And Juan Macastaño says something like, uh, I'll see you soon or something. And he turns around and says, and I'll give you a big kiss. But no tongues, though. And he starts, he starts, and you just think, no, wait, 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 are you seriously going to go this way? Like, trying hmm. to create a joke of it. And, I, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, like I said, we, we prefer not to be talking about this, but here we are. We also should obviously talk about the manager, Jorge mm. Bilda, the man who was uh, profoundly questioned in the run-up to this uh, tournament. Of course, a, a large number of Spanish players coming out and uh, refusing to play for the national team while he was still manager. He kept his position and... Um, well, I think he will feel rather vindicated uh, by that. Where does this leave him now? It's it's very interesting to 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 see what unfolds over the next few days or maybe even months. Um, I think there are those who will see this as vindicating him. I think there are some, um, even relatively close to the Spanish national team, who 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 feel that he became too much the focal point. And in fact, some of the fifteen players who wrote to the federation. Um, felt that he became too much the focal point, if you like, the symbol of, of this, uh, I suppose confrontation is the right word, or mutiny, I don't really know what, what, what word to use, because actually what they'd asked for was a whole series of changes, of which he was only one of them. Um, there are also those, and I think it was very noticeable in some of the celebrations that he cut a pretty isolated figure. I was talking to someone who was there last night um, and has been throughout the tournament and talking about this, and he's cut a pretty isolated figure throughout the tournament as well. Um, there isn't a huge amount of warmth for him. There is a very significant disconnect between him and a lot of the players and even some of the staff. Um, that the atmosphere at the start of the tournament wasn't good. And it's extraordinary in a way that the Federation stood and backed him. But didn't just back him, because I think you can back a coach. And I actually think in a way a Federation is almost obliged to. But it was sort of the nature of it. And, and bear in mind something that I think is quite important. When that letter was sent by 15 players, it was the Federation that made it public. It was a federation that put it out there and, and, and kind of created, if you like, the, the, what do you call it in English? The estenificación, the, the kind of the scenery of this confrontation, mm. you know, made it, made, put, turned the spotlight on it, I suppose. Um, and, tr and made it an us against them thing and obliged the players that came back to apologise and write a letter saying they're available again. And of course, three of them did. Mariona Calente, Aitana Bonmati, and my mind's gone blank. Who's the third one? Um, my mind's just gone completely black. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember who the third one is now. Lots of others didn't. And there was that quote from Mappy Leon in the spring where she said, it will really piss me off and really hurt me to miss a World Cup, but I've got my principles. And I think the principles weren't just about, I'm backing what I said in that letter. It was about, I'm not going to kind of go back on it the way that the Federation is asking me to. And so Vilda um, was, was only part of, of, of that process. There's also an argument and, and um, part of this, but not all of it, I've, I've, been able to stand up that some of the demands they made actually were then taken on by the federation so in other words in a way they could argue well we were proven right because we wanted these things done and some of them have been done things like um, additional support staff so 
I think I'd be right in saying that there was an extra physio taken. There was, I think, extra uh, nutritionists and um, and support staff around the team taken. That some of the changes in terms of the travel plans were were made that they'd asked for. You know, which essentially they were asking for things to professionalise the structure. That said, it did focus on the manager, and that manager has just won a World Cup. Now, obviously, here comes the argument, in spite of him because of him, in spite of him, because of him, and, and that can go backwards and forwards. But I think it was very noticeable that some of those players were not um, keen to share this with him last night. I think there have been problems all the way through. I think this is an extraordinary outcome, given where they've come from. Um, and I must admit, I don't know where it goes now. OK, well, listen, as we said, enhorabuena campeonas and uh, Spain are world champions, the best team at the tournament, and they proved it. Uh, congratulations to them. This podcast is sponsored by Beer 52. Sydney, how excited are you that La Liga is back up and running? Well, as you know, I am incredibly excited, Phil. This weekend, I went to three games. Next weekend, I'm going to travel in the Podmobile. I think I might go to Cadiz. I'd expect nothing less from you, Sydney. If you, the listener, are enjoying La Liga and fancy kicking back to watch a game with a cerveza in hand, we've got some good news for you. Beer 52 are offering free and exclusive beers from Spain and beyond. What better way to celebrate the start of the new season than with a free case of delicious craft beers? And as an exclusive Spanish football podcast offer, they're throwing in two extra beers completely free. That's... Now, you know I'm not good at maths, but that's 10 free beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash Spain and cover the £5.95 postage to receive your free case of 10 beers right now. Please note this offer is only available to listeners in the UK. Beer 52 offer the ultimate immersive beer drinking experience. This month, their experts have collaborated with some of the best independent breweries across Galicia in Spain and the Celtic nations to release new and exclusive beers. You know I'm a fan of the pale ale, Phil, and I can't wait to try one from the Jacobsland Brewery in Santiago de Compostela. I'm looking forward to trying the Deep Brown Porter from the Galician Brewery. But for those who aren't into dark beer, don't worry. You can simply choose the light case, and no matter what you choose, you get a couple of tasty snacks to enjoy as well. And even if after all of that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel anytime you want. So if you want to get your hands on 10 free beers, go to www.beer52.com forward slash Spain. That's beer52.com forward slash Spain and claim your free case now. Uh, we'll move on and discuss what happened in in La Liga this weekend, uh, match day two, uh, saw the following set of results on Friday night. Villarreal uh, beat Mallorca by a goal to nil, while Valencia got their uh, second win of the season. They beat Las Palmas uh, 1-0. It's the uh, first time since 2011 that they've won their opening two league games of a season. Then on Saturday, Sid was in San Sebastián to see Real Sociedad and Celsa play out a 1-1 draw. Uh, Real Madrid came from behind to win 3-1 at Almeria, Jude Bellingham with... Two goals and an assist in the victory. And Athletic Club got a much-needed 2-0 victory at Osasuna. Then on Sunday, Girona uh, did what uh, Barcelona weren't able to do last weekend, and that was break down Getafe. They did it three times. Girona 3, Getafe 0. Uh, Barcelona had to wait a long time, but the goals finally came. They beat Cadiz 2-0. 
at a rather empty-looking Olympic Stadium in uh, Montjuic, and Betis and Atleti played out a goalless draw. Monday night football, as we said, Alaves against Sevilla and Granada against Raya. Uh, we'll start with, obviously, it's not going to be this every single week, I don't think. Well, it might be, if he carries on like this. With Jude Bellingham. <laughs> But we're starting with Jude Bellingham again, I think as we did uh, last week, because he's, uh, he's scored two goals, he's provided an assist, so he's got three league goals uh, so far this season. I was doing the uh, calculations. It took Luka Modric nine months to score three league goals for mm. Real Madrid. It took Tony Cross a year and a half to score three league goals for Real Madrid. And Jude Bellingham has done it in 171 minutes. Obviously, the comparison might be slightly disingenuous because of the position that Jude Bellingham is playing yeah. within this Real Madrid side. And he's playing a lot further forward than either Modric or Cross ever did, uh, really. And of course, in those sides, there were Cristiano Ronaldo and Karim Benzema and in this side there isn't really a focal point in the team certainly in an attacking sense and many times during this game Jude Bellingham was the furthest player forward for Real Madrid. Yeah and, and remember last week when we were talking about how well he played and we were talking about the I was talking about anyway I, I don't want to I don't want to blame you for me for me being proven wrong or at least being proven wrong in the short term I was talking about how I actually liked his performance more when he was a bit deeper, when he had a bit more of the pitch to, to cover, when he wasn't right at the top of the pitch. And the two goals he scored this weekend are striker's goals. You know, he really is. Totally. He really totally. is in the area. One of them may be a little bit fortunate the ball drops to him, but he's there. The other, a very well-taken header, well ahead of everybody else. Um, I suppose you get this scenario in which the two centre-forwards, who are Vinicius and Rodrigo, kind of naturally split and create a, a space that he can go into um, beyond them. And he's at the top of the diamond anyway. I still think in terms of his performances, if not in terms of his decisiveness, I like him having more of the pitch to cover. But if you're getting him mm. this close to goal and he's scoring this many goals, then, then, then that justifies it. Now, look, I do think there are doubts about what it means for Vinicius because I think Vinicius would rather be able to drift a little bit further wide. I do think there are one or two doubts about how Madrid are playing in that it wasn't amazing by any means. And certainly Almeria in the first half had the chances to have... To have uh, first of all, to have maybe extended the lead, but then to have gone back into the lead. Um, mm. But what Bellingham is doing is, is, is brilliant. And, and Ancelotti is talking about putting him as close to goal as he possibly can. I don't know. I mean, I was about to say something very stupid then. I was about to say, I don't know if Bellingham's enjoying this. Absolutely sure he's enjoying it. But what I mean is, I don't know if him, from a footballing point of view, is thinking, wow, this is amazing. I wish I'd been closer to goal before. Or if he's thinking, actually, I miss some of the things that I used to do. Um, obviously, he's got the quality to do a bit of everything. I think things would be different if there was another striker. I don't think they would necessarily be worse, but I think they would be different. And I think maybe he wouldn't score as many goals. But his start has been brilliant. And there is that sense of you know, comfort and awareness and everyone recognising that this is a really good player. I'll give you an example of this. Again, I don't want to overstate the symbolism of a celebration. And we talked about it last week and I talked about the symbolism of the celebration last week. But Vinicius did the same celebration this week. And then even tweeted mm -hmm. Bellingham to say, hey, Jude, look at this. Um, that, hey, Jude, wasn't a deliberate pun, by the way. Um, he, and, and so I think there is this idea that they're enjoying having him. And they're looking at him and thinking, wow, he's really good, this guy. And he's maybe better than we anticipated him being. And maybe we didn't know he was going to be this good. And, and Vinicius embracing him. And, and, you know, one of the reasons for that celebration of Vinicius doing the Bellingham thing of standing there with his arms, arms wide I don't know if you saw it, but there was a bit of footage this week that Real Madrid released. And again, I'm, I'm reluctant to, to put too much weight behind the footage that a club releases because, of course, they're never going to re release the footage that doesn't look good. Um, but it's a footage of them doing some, some sort of goal-scoring drills. Bellingham scores a couple of goals and everyone else doing the Bellingham celebration. 
And that, if nothing else, mm-hmm. tells you something about warmth and adaptation and a feeling that, that there's a willingness to make him part of this. And the way he's playing, yeah, he's, he's grabbing it. Uh, that word adaptation is an important and interesting one. I've been sort of writing about this today and thinking about Bellingham and how impressive he's been, not just the performances, but also the way that he's done little details uh, that I think yes. are going to help him a lot. And it's not just enough to come to Real Madrid and be uh, incredibly talented. It's not even just enough to come here and, and play well. You need you need a bit more as well. I think that you need to look after the details, as they say in Spanish. And there have been a couple of things that I've uh, particularly liked. One, and I think this has probably been spurred on by the club, but he's... Uh, up for it and he's doing it and I think this is going to help him a lot is that he's recorded a couple of messages for the social media channels in Spanish after the game mm. hasn't taken much very simple messages otra gran victoria a la Madrid something like that um, but he's done it he's done it willingly yes, and he's embraced absolutely. it and uh, it might seem trivial but at Real Madrid it is not believe me well, and uh, particularly little... post bail because I well, think exactly. that was one of the things because that was thrown at Bale a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, because of that. And the second thing I liked was um, obviously his uh, his treatment of the uh, of the away fans. And uh, I think we mentioned this last week, uh, coming from uh, English and German football, where there are a lot of away fans. He went up to the team, to the uh, travelling supporters in Bilbao uh, last week, and uh, he, he applauded them and sort of pounded his the, his chest and the Real Madrid crest on his chest. And that obviously went down well. And then in Almeria this week, he went and he did exactly the same. But then he did something else as well. He did this sort of motion thing motion with his uh, hand with his finger stretched out and sort of rolling the finger around saying you know we keep going we keep going we go on um, and that kind of that kind of little detail that kind of message to the fans builds a kind of un- bond unity like we're here we're together we keep going together and these are just little things and maybe I'm over analyzing and, and looking too deeply into things but I think these kind of things show uh, an awareness of where he is and what he has to do to not just play well but to be comfortable and to and to be successful both on and off the pitch and it's basically all going well for Jude at the moment he's saying the right things as well his post-match uh, interviews which <clears throat> I say interview it's one interview that they give to Real Madrid TV because Real Madrid are not paying anyone up for post-match interviews this season if it's not for Real Madrid TV but that's a, that's another discussion uh, his post-match interviews have been great what he's been saying been really humble uh, talking about he says I'm 10 times better than I was last season it's all down to the players I'm with I've learned so much I'm like a sponge it's down to them that I've had such a good start so that incredible humility as well and yeah like I said it's all going well for Jude Bellingham at the moment literally all going well um there will be tough moments, but I think he feels well-placed to be able to weather those uh, tough moments when um, when they come. Sydney, we've got to move on because you've got to go and we've still got lots to cover. Um, so let's have a brief mention about Barcelona against Cadiz, who uh, Barca, again, not entirely convincing. No, not uh, at all convincing, they, no. I mean, Cadiz really probably should have scored a goal in this game, uh, to be honest. They, they didn't and Barcelona eventually found uh, a way through. Uh, but two, two, I guess... Two difficult opponents for Barcelona in Getafe and Cadiz in so much as they knew what they were going to get. They were going to be resolutely defensive and very well organised and take a while to break them down. That didn't happen against against Getafe. It looked like it might not happen against Cadiz either. Yeah, it took a long time and it it took a really nice little interchange between Pedri and and Gundogan for it to happen, which of course is what two of the two players who I think are best equipped to do that in, in tight spaces. I still think there is a little bit of an issue with Lewandowski in terms, not just in terms of his level of form, but in terms of the type of player he is and, and, and these kind of teams that deny him the space. Now, obviously, if you can get him, then get him into the area and get the ball into him, maybe up, maybe across, and he's very, very good in the air, that does 
um, kind of unblock that problem, if you like, or, or it potentially can. But it just doesn't really flow. The ball's not moving particularly quick. It's not particularly convincing. It doesn't feel like this is the way they want to play yet, and they haven't got all the pieces in place. And yesterday's formation, by the way, I was trying to work it out. At times, I thought it was a, a 3 2. Hang on, I'm going to say too many numbers now. 3 2. Three one. How many is that? Six. Uh, three two four one. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, whatever it was, it was it was like the, the the back four. Well, Balde went up the pitch. Frankie de Jong was the left side of the centre backs because it became a three. But then was stepping into the middle. In front of him, playing almost in parallel, were Oriol Romeo and Gundogan. Pedri and Gavi were playing almost in parallel in front of them. Then because you've got Balde right at the top on one side, Gavi sort of right at the top on the other. Uh, you've got. Who was playing off the front? Now I'm trying to think who was playing off the front. Uh, Pedri was kind of Pedri and Gavi sort of in the middle. Lewandowski at the top. It just, it was just a bit weird. Um, and and it d- does feel like it wasn't, it wasn't what Xavi would want. I don't think. Certainly not yet. And the pieces don't really fit. He started Lamina Mal. That that's the player I was missing. That was one I couldn't think of in my head. And yeah. he's the one that actually is most yeah. exciting. That most looks like it's going to break things up. That's most yeah. going to open the pitch out, and others aren't doing it. Yeah. So that's what the free was. So it was Balde on one side. Uh, Laminia Mal on the other and sort of Gavi and kind of Pedri sort of getting in the middle as almost in a line of four um, and it just wasn't very convincing nor, nor by the way was Monduric which looked very sad 39,000 uh, at the stadium more people turned up to watch Sunderland against Rotherham uh, uh, this uh, this weekend which I thought was an interesting uh, statistic <laughs> wow. but, Sun- but uh, Sunderland Rotherham all credit yeah. to Sunderland to be fair and yeah Rotherham. they are uh, yeah, they are a massive club. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't look good. It looks pretty sad. Hopefully they can fill it a little bit more. Uh, but it's, uh, it's it's not a great image. Uh, briefly, Sid, because we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, tell us about your doubleheader, uh, Real Sociedad and Osasuna. Well, Real Sociedad fans saw the same game for a second week running. Uh, played very well in the first half. Seemed to be in control. I was very, very impressive. Take, Kubo. And then, in fairness, not only did they lose control, but I thought actually Delta played really well in the second half. And Rafa Benitez then started talking the short blanket syndrome. He said, um, Iago Aspas is sometimes at the top of the pitch and sometimes deeper because I want him to create. But then when he creates, he's not at the top of the pitch. And when he's at the top of the pitch, he can't come back and create. So I asked him what was the solution to this. And he said, a bigger blanket. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and then at, uh, at Osasuna? Osasuna was... Uh, actually, Osasuna started really well for about 10 minutes or so, which was the 10 minutes that I didn't quite get to see. Um, I, I, was, I was dashing in because Satnav took me on an absolutely bizarre route. Uh, cross country to avoid some roadworks in fairness but it was very exciting um, Osasuna uh, didn't play particularly well Athletic I thought were excellent until they had Sunset sent off and they went down to 10 men and then Osasuna created quite a lot of chance of half chances but it was a lot of crosses mostly a little bit aimlessly and they will have to be better on Thursday when of course they play against Bruges in that uh, European playoff Horrific challenge from Chimmy Avila by the way Oh, uh, Horrendous And his manager and was actually, so angry it, yeah, it sounds very much like... Um, I wonder if he might be coming to the end of his time at Osasuna because there's been talk of a departure and, and, and Arasati said it's not the first time, it's not even the second. Yeah. This has got to be fixed. He even actually said, say, we're going to say sorry to Athletic because this isn't Osasuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really bad uh, challenge from Jimmy Avila. He got a straight red card and he uh, got some serious words from his uh, manager. Uh, listen, guys, thank you very much for listening. That's uh, all we've got time for on uh, this week's edition of the Spanish Football uh, Podcast. Uh, by the way, in the second division, uh, Santi Cazola was in the stand for Real Oviedo's 1-1 draw uh, with uh, Rafael yes, Ferro. Yes, Santi. So, uh, yes, so th- there we go. I think 
every single pod we do from now until uh, at least the end of the season has to have at least one mention of Santi Cazorla in it, even if he's a, even if he's not playing for the mighty Real Oviedo. Uh, Sydney, you get on the road, drive safely up to Victoria, I will do. and uh, we're going to be try. we're going to be over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for the rest of the week with loads of content for you Spanish football lovers. And if you don't want to join us, that's all right. We'll be here next Monday. Adios. I'll let you know where I'm going past Gamba Fresh. Cheerio. 